Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest is Lindsay Malikowski, Chief Operating Officer at Skinny Med Spa and Wellness, where she oversees the operations for their national team with locations in New York, Miami, and Houston. Under her leadership, Skinny Med Spa has spearheaded partnerships with Saks Fifth Avenue and so many others, and grown from two locations locally to five locations nationally. With over 17 years of experience, Lindsay is an industry leader and medical aesthetic consultant with a strong background in leadership, management, and operations. I'm so excited to have you guys hear her story. So welcome, Lindsay. Thanks so much for hopping on. Hi, Eliza. It's great to see you. Likewise, likewise. Well, let's go ahead and dive in here. Can you start us off by sharing with us a little background on yourself and how you got to where you are today? Sure. So I currently, I am the Chief Operating Officer at Skinny Mud Spa and Wellness. Um, We are an industry leader in body contouring and non-invasive laser technology. Um, I've personally been in medical aesthetics for about 17 years, and I've worked almost every position in my field. So everything from being in the treatment room with clients to now operations, management, um, I've worked for you know small family-owned companies. I've worked for big corporations, um, and then I, I literally got started you know um, as a licensed esthetician and an office manager, working alongside a cosmetic physician, you know, assisting him, performing treatments, and helping to run the practice. Wow, there's definitely a lot that we're going to have to certainly unpack throughout <laughs> throughout our conversation today between. Being inside the industry, understanding the ins and out of the space, what's going on in the space, and then also your own career development and how you've progressed over time. So kind of taking a look at the industry, right? The, the medical wellness space is so, so interesting. And I'm curious, what attracted you to it? What made you decide that you wanted to devote your entire career to it? Um, well, I think just like every little girl growing up, I mean, I've always been interested and loved, you know, just beauty and wellness. Um, And then, you know, just having had that opportunity where at such a young age, you know, I launched into, you know, being in beauty. Um, And then after spending about eight years in the treatment room, I became super passionate about, you know, helping others to, you know, feel better about themselves. So I think that was kind of the first link of where, you know, that connection really began. Um, And then after about, you know, eight years, you know, around that time, I really started to feel ready to take on, you know, more responsibility and just, you know, wanting to continue to grow personally and professionally, you know, as a young woman, you know, in my career. Um, And, you know, interestingly, I actually never envisioned myself being, you know, in leadership or in management, Um, but it, you know, it did kind of seem like, you know, the natural next step, you know, in my career. And... I think it was really always very important for me to, um, you know, be the type of manager or leader that I would want to have. Um, And I think we've all probably experienced a difference between having a really good manager and not having a really good manager or leader. Um, And, you know, what a difference that really makes, um, you know, for someone. So, you know, for me, I think it was really always important that, you know, I could be, you know, someone who could walk the line being, you know, able to, you know, push, you know, knowing when to kind of push someone, you know, into like the best version of themselves and their career as, you know, and also kind of knowing when to, you know, be able to provide support. 
And I think it's really important that a good, you know, manager, mentor, leader, you know, is able to kind of do both. Um, and I think the last piece of that is, I think it was always really important for me um, to be, you know, self-sufficient and independent. Um, you know, that's really important to me uh, personally. And I think that also being able to provide sort of inspiration to other women that, you know, they can grow into careers and positions where they don't need to rely on anyone, you know, but themselves financially. That's brilliant. And if I'm kind of reading between the lines here too, it seems like you felt all of those different values. Like you were able to um, kind of witness those, those core values and those beliefs in the industry and the work that you're doing today. So, you know, thinking about what could possibly be missing right now in the industry and where you envision it to be going. What are your thoughts on that? I think that, you know, so I've been in medical aesthetics, you know, again, for probably like 17 years, which is just kind of wild now. Um, so it's obviously, you know, it's changed a lot. And I think you're already starting to see a lot of changes that are really super positive, um, especially even just in the past couple of years. So I think, and I think we can all kind of see that and feel that. So, you know, things like seeing more inclusivity, you know, with men, women, you know, different nationalities, sizes, um, you know, skin colors and types, um, and just, you know, having young people being able to see themselves, you know, represented, you know, online and in beauty magazines. I'm not sure how old you are, but when I was, you know, a teenager, you know, we used to get magazines and, you know, you'd always seen this, you know, see sort of the same type of person. Um, and, you know, that can have an effect, I think, especially in young people. So I think it's really great. We're already starting to see that and just, you know, pushing for more of that in the beauty industry, I think is really important. Um, I think other things within the beauty industry that I would still love to see change, which would be, you know, things like, you know, regula uh, regulation and utilization of toxic chemicals, you know, in our skincare products. Um, it still always really shocks and amazes me that, you know, even some of like our everyday products that we use from everything from shampoos to soaps, um, that for us have been kind of, you know, it becomes common, you know, a common thing that we're using every day, but there's actually still toxic chemicals and, you know, fragrance and unnecessary things. Um, so I'd love to see that continue to change, you know, in our industry. Um, I think that's super, super important. And then I think for, you know, the future of wellness, one of the things that I love that we're starting to see now, um, and again, even just within the past like one to two years, this has really changed, which is that you're seeing a lot of companies that are popping up um, or pivoting, you know, and kind of focusing more on overall, uh, overall, overall wellness. Um, so like addressing like hormonal changes as well as like preventative aging and like not just, you know, physicality and beauty but preventative, you know, aging, you know, looking at chronological aging, and then also merging like Western and, you know, Eastern medicine together, which I think is really, really fascinating. Um, so I love that, you know, that is kind of where I see sort of the, you know, medical aesthetics and wellness industry kind of going. Yeah, you're exactly right. So I think, you know, it's making it more inclusive. It's allowing for more equal representation creating more transparency, whether it's from the brand or from a product. And then when you're also touching upon the, the, the last part, right, it's about kind of creating more of this accessible 
accessible industry, making it a little bit more relatable, making it a little bit more open um, for other people to be able to come in and be able to define what wellness actually means to them. Is that right? Yeah, you got it. Exactly. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think, let me know too, like your thoughts on this, because I think one of the other parts that's really helped evolve and advance the piece of accessibility and bringing wellness more to the masses is I think that, you know, technology and, and digital experiences has certainly made some sort of involvement in that, right? Giving us a little bit more opportunity to, to have wellness at, the, at our fingertips. So from that landscape, what's your perspective on how tech and digital experiences has changed the industry? Yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, really fascinating to watch it change, you know, over the past X amount of years. And, you know, I think especially where we are and, you know, what, you know, I do and what we do sort of every day, you know, now we have technology, you know, that literally destroys fat cells, you know, robotically, you know, without ever even touching the skin. Um, So it's really super fascinating to see that kind of evolve and just knowing, you know, where where we were and where we are now and what it will look like in the future. Um, it's just really incredible. It's, it's kind of mind blowing really. And, and also I think, you know, one of the things that I love that has kind of happened in the sort of technology and digital digital experience is that, you know, the education, you know, around um, medical aesthetics as well as transparency through social media has been like really great to see. So, you know, now we have people that are sharing the results and their treatments and talking about it, you know, talking about the experiences on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram um, and allowing other people to know that, you know, aesthetic treatments have, you know, become a big part of both men and women's wellness and beauty journeys. Um, And I think that can really be a tool to, you know, obviously increase confidence. And then I think the last part of it is that, you know, now with technology, you can literally, you know, book a virtual consultation um, or, you know, an appointment within minutes, you know, within tons of providers and services and different, um, you know, clinics, et cetera. And I think that kind of builds upon too, like on the education piece, because of technology being able to bring the industry over to the masses and like really at your fingertips, it also provides an opportunity for those that are curious on what all is involved in wellness and what all the opportunities there are to actually learn about it, see the impact and see how they can actually implement it for themselves. So it's always fascinating to hear people's perspectives on that industry, where they're going. So I love, loved how you're thinking about things and um, thinking about things in a way that just brings wellness and beauty wellness over to the masses. And on that note, I really actually just want to dive into you specifically because it's it's fascinating about how you think about things, right? And how you think about the evolution of the industry and the space. And I actually want to kind of go back a couple pieces because I definitely don't want to go over it. You talked about in the very beginning the importance of mentorship and coaching, right? And it seems like mentorship and coaching and the concept of such has been able to help you in your own professional career. So how important has this been for you? And maybe you kind of shine a light on an example that you witnessed yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I've been super fortunate, you know, to have some incredible managers and leaders in my career, um, especially when I moved to New York City about nine years ago. Um, and again, like I know the difference just between, you know, uh, having a great manager or mentor, you know, in your life and not having one. Um, and the fact that it has on your personal and professional, you know, development. And I mean, I remember even, you know, when I first moved to New York and, you know, how difficult it is to come to a new city and, 
you know, how hard New York is and really having to start over and start, you know, sort of really from the bottom. Um, and I remember coming in in a big organization and, you know, literally, um, literally being hungry, right? Like just, you know, for success, for um, wanting to be able to, you know, be, uh, you know, again, be self-sufficient and, um, you know, coming in and literally making employee of the month, my first month out of, you know, a couple hundred employees and, you know, having the, uh, you know, manager of that organization sit me down, you know, and literally tell me, you know, how proud he was of me, um, you know, to have done that. So, you know, I think that those are those moments that really, like you said, kind of shine a light on, you know, yourself and it shows you what you can do and allows you to be that best version of yourself and to grow and know that those possibilities are there when you're having that sort of one-on-one -one experience with someone, you know, in that role. Um, you know, so for me, it's really important to pass it on and, you know, ensure that I'm always helping to develop, you know, each of my team members to the best of their abilities. You know, I always joke with my management team that, you know, I'm coaching them to take over my role, um, but I'm serious, you know, and I, and I truly, truly mean that. Um, and I believe that the more interest that you show in, you know, developing your team, you know, the more that they will show up for themselves and for the organization. And if they feel, you know, that they have room to grow professionally as well. Um, and I don't think that many people realize that not continuing to develop your team will cause them to seek out other opportunities. That's absolutely brilliant. One of the best things that I've actually even personally heard from one of my employees was they said, they came up and said, Eloisa, I want your job one day. And I was thrilled. I was so excited. I'm like, yes, let me, let me get you my job one day. I promise you, I'm going to build you up towards it. And you were exactly right. And I think there's, and what you were mentioning, there's this sense of like strength and resiliency too, when you're talking about your experiences of going into a new city and how, I guess in essence, you actually put yourself into the situation where you're exposed to new and different things that could really challenge you and push you beyond your perceived limits. And from a career standpoint, I think that's that concept in itself is really critical, right? Because not everybody is going to get the opportunity to see exactly step-by-step, plan-for-plan of what the next step looks like for them, of what their career path is going to look like for them. And I believe since when you and I chatted, that's exactly the direction that you had, right? Like you didn't have that, that full-on career path of how you're going to end up becoming the COO one day. So talk to me a little about like, yeah. you know, what does it look like? What's the power of having that non-traditional path to, to executive leadership? Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, I think that there is a moment, you know, after having, you know, been in the industry for seven, eight years where, you know, I, I really stepped back and I thought, you know, do I you know, need to go back and, you know, go to college and get my MBA, you know, that's something that I had not done. Um, and, you know, I really stopped and thought about that seriously and, and wondered if that would, you know, hold me back in my career and was that something that I really needed to do? Um, and how important was that really? Um, and again, I think that there's a time and place for everything and, and not to put that down at all because that is a part of many people's career paths. Um, and there's obviously certain roles that you do need to, you know, go to college and, you know, get degrees and certifications and, and all of these things. Um, but again, I think what was really amazing to me and something that now, you know, I am very proud of 
is, you know, now I've been able to kind of forge this path, you know, into executive leadership, having not done that. Um, and again, I think, you know, most people, you know, follow that sort of traditional route. And, you know, um, for me, though, you know, having had to kind of work my way up through many different roles has really, you know, helped me and, you know, created a lot of grit and perseverance. And, you know, I think day to day, um, you know, allows you to not get, you know, knocked down by, you know, the little things. And it also allows you to understand every single person on your team, you know, when you have, you know, played or, you know, taken part of many different roles within many different types of organizations. Um, and it just makes you stronger. So I think that ultimately that was something that was a key to my success. And it's something that now looking back, you know, I wouldn't have changed. Mm, that's incredibly powerful. So for those tuning in that may have been in that, may currently be in that situation, right, that they don't necessarily know where to go just yet, but they know that they want something a little bit bigger for themselves, how would you encourage them to you know, explore what the options are and to grow into an executive role? Yeah, you know, an interesting thing that I actually did years ago, too, one of my managers actually told me to download, you know, LinkedIn years and years ago before it was really such a big thing. And uh, a small thing that I did that I think actually really encouraged me in the long run was, you know, creating that LinkedIn page and looking up other women in the industry that were in positions that maybe I wanted to be in or similar to positions or companies I wanted to be in. And then actually kind of, you know, working, um, you know, looking at their sort of online resume and working backward to see, you know, what, you know, companies were they in? What roles were they in? How long were they in those positions? And almost creating your own little roadmap, you know, for success. And again, there's many different ways to kind of do that. Um, but, you know, if you don't have a, a mentor or a leader, you know, in your life and you've not yet found one, um, I think that that's actually a very small yet powerful way to look for inspiration um, and sort of make a little a little map for you to um, to gain that experience and and create this sort of ladder to success. Mm, I 100% agree with you. And it's funny now because I think and I believe you're on the same page too. So let me know if you're but more women are really a lot more open than people think to be able to mentor and coach the next generation and to coach each other, right? They're, if you're curious, reach out because the majority of the time, they're actually going to be able to be a good mentor for you. So something that is kind of like a white elephant in the room, because I definitely want to get your perspective on this, is that you know when we are trying to reach out and trying to find women that have executive talent, executive leadership... In the wellness industry itself, right, it's still fairly a male-dominated space, ironically enough. So what do you believe that the wellness industry can do better at to create more leadership opportunities for women? I think that, you know, it goes back to the women that are in leadership roles, you know, like we spoke about, you know, opening that door and creating those opportunities for sort of the next generation and sort of coaching through. And I think it's unfortunate because there is, you know, just in general, sometimes a lot of people in positions of power where they're not, you know, coaching through and developing um, their team, like we said, to take over their position one day. Um, so really, you know, speaking to those women and creating, you know, that um, that change, you know, being being the change that you want to see, right? 
And I think that it starts right there. And then again, continuing to develop those leaders because ultimately those women are going to develop the women underneath them. You know, if they feel that there's that, you know, sort of compassion and um, education and um, sort of transparency into leadership, right? So I think it, it ironically starts one person at a time. Oh, that's beautiful. I remember um, one of my mentors actually gave me a quote and it said that when the door opens for you, do not shut it closed. Leave a door, leave that door open for the ones after you. And that's exactly right. So thank you. That's yeah. beautiful. Well, any exciting things coming up that we yeah. can expect from yourself and from Skinny Med Spa? So we have lots of exciting things happening, actually. So, um, you know, when I started almost six years ago, we had only one location. Um, we now have five, uh, three in New York, uh, one in Houston, one in Miami. Um, so we've recently expanded. Um, and we're also expanding our New York location currently. So we're um, taking over our entire floor. We just build two beautiful new treatment rooms, uh, as well as four sort of treatment pods. Um, and we're going to branch out into more wellness services. So things like IV drips and booster shots. Um, we're also launching um, an online and in-person academy, which I'm super, super excited about. Uh, something that I've always wanted you know, to do. And um, you know, kind of allowing other people that are maybe already in the industry or maybe new to the industry that want to you know, increase their, their knowledge base by learning more advanced treatments. Um, you know, that's something that we're going to offer. So we're starting that this year. So that's super, super exciting. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> now I'm like going back to one of the topics that we were chatting about, about technology and digital experiences. And you talk about, oh, yeah, and you can also increase education coming full circle now. Well, that's super exciting. Well, final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is designed to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? You know, I thought a lot about this question. It's such a great question, Eliza. And I just, I think, honestly, I always think back to this one quote that I read uh, one time in the New York Times. You know, I love, I don't know if you read this, the corner office, um, where they often interview, you know, uh, men and women in leadership, you know, roles. Um, and I once read, you know, a CEO and she said, you know, that she wasn't the smartest person in the room, but she was always willing to work the hardest. Uh, and I think that's always really stuck with me. So, you know, I think there's a lot of ways you could answer this question, but ultimately, I think one of the most important things is knowing that you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Uh, and in fact, Richard Branson always says, you know, that he, you know, hires people smarter than him and gets out of the way. Um, so, you know, ultimately, you know, being able to just work hard and take risks and knowing that you might fail and that's okay, um, being willing, you know, willing to try again, and knowing that once you are in, you know, an executive role or a leadership role, that, you know, ultimately, you know, you are your team. So hiring people that are, you know, smarter or better at you or better than you at certain things and allowing them to do that um, and creating that space for them um, I think that's what it's all about. Amazing. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out Skinny Med Spa and Wellness, the premier medical spa with locations in New York City, Houston, and Miami. Looking to hear more what's happening in the health wellness sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast, and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.